stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? You think I motherfucker? of Unholy Mofos in Quarantine. I'm your host, Brother Scott, as joined, always, by my faithful companion, Jake the Snake. And, uh, hey, some quarantines are being lifted, but I sure as fuck ain't going out there. <laughs> I ain't going out there with all you thick motherfuckers, thick in more ways than one, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> I know my area is uh, free of some restrictions right now. But uh, that's not the topic of discussion tonight. The topic <laughs> at hand for episode 185 is Beverly Hills Cop 2 and 3. Yes, finishing it out. Finishing our trilogy, which we started in the most uh, unconventional ways. But Hey, I mean, you know, it's been fun hanging out here in Beverly Hills, but, you know, we can only stay out here for so long. You know what? No, now that I think about it, this ain't the first time we did it. We also did this with the Predator movies, now that I think about it. Yeah, I think. Yep. yep, we did the same thing. What was the other one? I know we, it was. Uh, I can't. Oh. I can't remember. It was such a long time ago. But we that we did with the first predator. Yeah. 
I want to say with Face Off. Yeah, something weird like that. <laughs> it's really weird, but yeah. hey, you know we're weird. We're weird guys. You know we can do whatever we want. It's our show. It's our show. God damn it. <laughs> Speaking of it being our show, we uh, we have a new segment that we've been working on, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I, I did most of the legwork on it, and uh, you know Jake did a lot of helping along the way, and I, I think uh, it's gonna be a real real fun, exciting next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jake, why don't you tell us what we're doing? Well, most of our faithful listeners will probably remember, you know, the show that inspired us, All My Heroes Wear Masks. And uh, kind of towards uh, the middle of that show's runtime, they did a little thing called Girls of Horror. Much, you know, since we are a more of a movie podcast, it's not really Girls of Horror. Uh, what are we deciding to call it? I called it the 2020 search for the unholy mofo girl. I just gotta say, you know what kind of sucked about the uh, All My Heroes Girls of Horror thingy? What? That I actually started listening to that show just as that got over with. <laughs> I, I could have influenced so much of that thing. Yeah. And also the fact that my girl, Catherine Isabel, got eliminated <laughs> so early. I'm like, I could have influenced that. God damn it. I could have saved her. Well, of course, we wouldn't have uh, a search for the Unholy Mofo Girl without having her in here. So, you know. A little spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) She's in here somewhere. I don't remember where, but, you know, she'll be down the line. Okay, so what are the rules, Scott? Well, I happen to write them down. Basically, we tried to do the rating system a little differently. Um, All my heroes kind of, it seemed like they did it more off of just attractiveness so we're going to kind of do that, but we're going to do it with a rating scale. We're going to do it out of a, a 1, 2, and 3. Like how attractive they are, how, you know, good they were in, you know, their movies, and their franchise likability. Like, where if you would put them, you know, in like a franchise to, you know, really propel it. So we've got three things. We're going to total it all up and just basically, you know, whoever wins the most points that round moves on. It's, got it's, a, it's a little it's a little confusing, but I think once we actually get into it, it'll be a lot easier to understand. Yeah, I can't believe Scott here was kind of worried about, like, oh, if we, based on looks, it'll be sexist. I mean, Scott, you know our listener base. <laughs> Especially the one listener we have, which, hey, a little bit of spoilers, we finally got some feedback. I mean, you know that feedback doesn't care about that shit. No, I don't know why I was just, uh, you yeah. know. I don't know. I was just trying to include everybody. All right. right. Well, uh, basically what we're going to be doing is we've got 60 contestants. And uh, I'm going to spoil it now. Basically, the championship round is going to be done on our 200th episode. I I did all the math. I did all the workarounds. And basically, we've got everything ready to go for the next 15 shows. So should be fun. So... Jake, he had pick of where we started, and he chose the top left of the bracket. So, at the very top, we have Carrie Ann Moss with a first round bye. There's that. And then, uh, matchup number one, we have Amelia Clark versus Shawnee Smith. Hmm. So, all right. <laughs> well, let's get into it. All right. 
look-wise. Oh, boy. I would say, Shawnee, she's definitely aging very well. I mean, I would say she's probably in her late 40s by now, but from what I've seen, she still looks pretty good, and Amelia, she's still young, and oh, boy, oh, my God. Let's see. What was the second one again? The second point? All right, so we've got attractiveness, how good they are in the movies that they have been in that you've seen, and how likely it would be that you would put them in a franchise. Uh, let's see. The stuff I've seen Amelia in is, of course, Game of Thrones and Terminator Genesis. And Sean A., well, where do I begin with her? <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous career. Saw franchise, The Blob, and, you know, she's in... Anger comic. management. Who's yeah. Harry Crumb? I mean... So, that point I'm going to have to give to Sean A. And, uh, let's see, franchise... Well, Amelia just has a Game of Thrones. I mean, they tried to put her in Terminator, and, well, that didn't work out so well for her. <laughs> it didn't work out for anybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, Shonda's with the, the Thaw franchise, and she's in a good number of those movies. Yeah, yeah, now that I think about it, I'll have to go with Shawnee Smith. All right, so Jake gives Shawnee, what, two or three points total? Yes, okay. Like I said, we're we're this is the first time we're doing this, so we're 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 gonna try to work out the kinks as quickly as possible, but you know, try and provide a good show. Um yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I mean Amelia, she was only really in Game of Thrones and I mean I, I, you, you do get to see her naked, but yeah. I, that that's not the saving grace, I think. I mean, I, I definitely think she has a bright future, but I think Shawnee has accomplished more throughout her career so far. So I, I'm definitely going to have to agree with her. So right now, it looks like we are uh, going Shawnee. Uh, we are also taking votes from listeners. So if you have a vote for you know either of these girls, let us know. And by the time we come around to the next show... We can tally it all up and see who's going on. So right now it is two nothing for Shoney Smith. Alright. Next one I think might be a little tough. Um uh, we've got Margot Kidder and Chloe Grace Moretz. Hmm. It might be a little weird putting Chloe in, but I mean she's right around my age, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah she she's been <laughs> legal for years. <laughs> so we, we already talked about this and the ramifications and everything. We're we're good. We're past it. <laughs> Again, look wise, I would have to give it to Chloe, but could be another example of like experience and all. You know, but you know, Margot Kidder, of course. When you think about her, the first thing you think about is Lois Lane. And then you've also got Black Christmas and the Amityville Horror. And, well, uh, I think Superman's, like, the only big franchise she had. And, uh, well, Chloe, well, she was also in an Amityville movie, now that I think about it. Granted, she was uh, eight years old, so we... <laughs> <laughs> Let's try not but, to make it weird, Jake. <laughs> but she's also got Hit Girl from the Kick-Ass movies. You know, Margot, she's, like, just the damsel in distress in the Superman movies, I mean. And then Hit Girl, well, she's a kick-ass girl. 
and a movie called Kick-Ass. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, really. I and spoiler alert, I just watched uh, 30 Rock, and she uh, she's in that too. And she she plays like a an evil you know granddaughter, and it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah. Whew. Hmm. God, this is tough. Hmm. Tick. Huh. Tick. Uh. Final answer, Jake. Okay, I'm gonna go with Chloe. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have to agree again. I mean, you know, you can name off all the you know iconic stuff, but I mean, you see what Chloe's been in, and how young she is. You you got to imagine the kind of career she's going to have ahead of her, and you can only imagine it's it's only going to go up from there. So I think she gets a point there. You know, she's right around my age, so you know, it definitely gets a, a thumbs up from there so uh, I'm gonna have to agree I'm gonna have to go Chloe as well okay so that is another (laughs) I'm surprised we are uh, right on point right now so the next one I feel is gonna be a little bit better of a matchup it's gonna be more even and it's gonna be a lot harder for us to try and decide we've got Anne Hathaway versus Danielle Harris (laughs) Looks like this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be the hardest matchup of the day, boys. Oh. Uh, hmm. Well, yeah, I've actually met Danielle in real life, so I got to see her attractiveness in person. So I'll go with Danielle Harris there. Uh, let's see. For the movies, they've been in. Well, oh, yeah. Anne Hathaway has been. In a Batman movie, she has been Catwoman. Uh, and, you know, she's done some other things, like she was in Christopher Nolan's uh, Interstellar. So, yeah, a few uh, Christopher Nolan movies. And then you go with Danielle Harris. Well, of course, the first thing you think about is, of course, Halloween movies. You know, we got her in four and five. And then she was also in the Rob Zombie movies, two of them. Ugh. Oh, my God. Dead air. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, fuck. I mean, she was, and she was only in one Batman movie, so I, ah, fuck, I'm going to go with Daniel Harris. Um, I think I'm going to be opposed on this one. As much as, you know, I like Daniel, you know, what other things has she been in, really, besides, you know, Hatchet, you know, oh, yeah. Halloween? Oh, yeah, I can't believe I got Hatchet. You know, I mean, it's she's a horror girl, definitely. But, I mean, I, I think, you know, likewise, like Ability, I think Anne has been in more movies that I like. You know, I mean, you, you've mentioned, like, you know, the Batman movie she's in get smart with steve carell i mean she's she's been in a lot of good movies so like i said this is probably the toughest matchup but i honestly i think i I would go with ann with this one okay well first split we have a tiebreaker so listeners we're definitely going to have to rely on you for this we will also put the polls up on you know facebook so that uh, anybody in the group can vote there as well, just to make it easier. You don't have to write in. You can just 
do a quick vote on Facebook. Um, and the last matchup for the day, we've got Sarah Michelle Geller versus Courtney Cox. Okay. Let's see, looks-wise. Oh, I'm always going to have to go with SMG. Well, the movie-wise, well, well, Courtney was in all Scream movies. And uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, well, she was in one of the Scream movies, and... She was also in I Know What You Did Last Summer, only the first one, and, well, she got killed in both Summer and Scream. I think but one thing you're forgetting, Buffy. I was going to get into that. But, well, I'm know, surprised you didn't say right off the bat. But also look at the TV shows, yeah. You know, first thing you think about when you think of Sarah Michelle Gellar is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and well, the first thing you think about with Courtney Cox besides Scream is Monica Gellar in Friends. Which one? I think Friends... Lasted the longest, but you know, with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, she's slaying vampires, of course. I'm gonna go with Sarah Michelle Geller on this one. I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I, I think uh, uh, Sarah is the better pick. I mean, Courtney, she uh, after the Botox and all that oh, stuff yeah. she did, it's just it it was downhill from there. I mean, in the Scream movies and you know early Friends and stuff, you know she she was she was good looking, and then oh, yeah, she got the work done, and then it just I don't know what happened. It, it just it, it. Women need to stop getting all that stuff. It just it doesn't make them look better. Yeah, I mean, man, if you want to see Courtney at her cutest, got yeah, watch Masters of the Universe. I mean, goddamn, she was fucking cute in that one. You know, from what I've seen, I mean, Sarah Michelle Geller, she doesn't do too much work these days, but I do follow her on Instagram, and yeah, she still looks pretty good these days for being in her forties. All right, so uh, just to recap. For us, if nobody else uh, votes in right now, Shawnee Smith would advance to the next round. Chloe Grace would advance over Margot Kidder. We have a tie between Anne Hathaway and Danielle Harris. And then Sarah Michelle Geller would go on against Courtney Cox. So this is where we rely on the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> For once, we would like your feedback. Come in and tell us you know, what you, what you guys think. Who should go on? Give us your votes. You know, probably do like uh, polls on Facebook and Twitter. Let you guys vote wherever. You only get a single vote, so don't go on both and try and <laughs> add the numbers up. Because I will be on the lookout for that. Would you like a uh, little teaser for next week? Go right ahead. All right. So uh, next week's matchups, we've got starting off Marissa Tomei. Against Linnea Quigley. Mm. Jamie Lee Curtis against Emily Blunt. Kim Cattrall against Natalie Portman. And, and probably what's going to be our next week's toughest one Emma Stone against Scarlett Johansson. Hmm. So, that'll give you something to think about over the next two weeks. Okie dokie, then. All right. I think that was pretty successful. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Well, first of all, like, we are... standard, oh, everything's getting pushed back. Yeah, we are into summer movie season, even though we're not getting much, at least in the big screen. And, well, all I can see is that, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's latest movie, Tenet... It's still slated to come out in July, and it's saying right here that summer movies will live or die based on this theatrical release. 
And if, there's a quote it's right here saying, quote right here saying, if Tenet doesn't come out or doesn't succeed, every other company goes home. It's no movies until Christmas. Honestly, I have no interest in the movie. I mean, it, it may be Christopher Nolan, but I just I don't really like the premises of the movie itself that I got from the trailer. But I mean, if if I had to go see it to ensure that movies started coming out again, I would do it. I mean, I don't know too much about the movie. It is Christopher uh, Nolan. All I know is it's it's supposed to do like I I think it's like a time heist. He has to stop like somebody from arming nukes or something. I I don't know. I only one, saw the trailer once. The one thing I have against it is, of course, it's got Twilight Boy in it. I'll look past that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, people say, oh, he's just, he's bored in Twilight movies. He's got some other good movies. Yeah, but, you know, I looked at his filmography and it's like, mm, don't want to see that, don't want to see that. Yeah, I know, I'm a stubborn bastard. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> I'm probably more stubborn than you are. <laughs> yeah. This would be the point for Sean V. Like, oh my god, I gotta branch out to other movies or something like that. You gotta branch out, man. But uh, despite, of course, that movie still slated to come out. Well, I did see that the next Purge movie has been delayed indefinitely. Which I guess That's... doesn't surprise me because, you know, there hasn't really been, like, much promotional stuff coming out for that. They haven't, they haven't even released a trailer. It was supposed to come out in, like, what, July? Yeah. Like, we should have had a trailer, like, a month ago. Right? I don't know. I, I could kind of see it coming. You know, it, it just it sucks, no matter what. Well, let's see if they decide to, once again... Release it in the summer season, which means it'll be delayed until next season or a little earlier than that. Well, it's just, it, it makes me wonder, you know, I I really hope that this movie is actually really good just because I didn't really like the TV show. I didn't like what, you know, all the different angles. I didn't really care much about the characters. You know, it was it was really hard for me. The only character I really liked in the first season is the dude who was in there, you know, dealing with the shit. That was like the only character I liked. Everybody else was just a snobby crap character. That it's just it, I didn't really like the show. I'm glad it got canceled. Honestly, <laughs> I think I don't think the Purge is really meant to be a TV show. I think it, it to ensure the violence, it has to be a movie. I mean, he would have thought it would have made a good TV show, but I guess apparently not. I mean, it could have made a good TV show if they put it on, like, sci-fi, where they can get away with that shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, sci-fi, they have a really good track record lately with TV shows. I mean, you got Blood Drive, you got Happy, those are just two off the bat. Those two were really good shows, and they got canceled. Yeah, and I'm, so. I'm still anxiously awaiting the Child's Play series they're supposed to get. Yeah, I, uh believe it was supposed to come out in october of this year something like that i, I don't remember it was uh, i know it was supposed to come out this year sometime but i'm pretty sure that's gonna get pushed back now too hey you never know with tv shows i mean i mean if they're already done filming it maybe they could still release it but i guess it just depends on how much they got filmed there's always that hope you know i know um the marvel tv shows they are able to resume production on those so hopefully they get back to work on those and they'll be able to keep the release dates right where they are for the TV stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's just wait and see. Unfortunately. And uh, speaking of wait and see, well, the uh, New Mutants is getting a 
release date and still this year still this summer august 28th so uh let's see if uh, that gets delayed again honestly i don't care i'm not ever going to watch the movie let's release it to like a streaming service already i mean what that movie's been delayed for what year years now (laughs) yeah like at this point stop feeding a dead horse like seriously I know Marvel's going to try and make it a MCU movie, but I just I don't see how they're going to do it. It's not it's not going to make them any money. Yeah. It's going to flop just as hard as fucking Dark Phoenix did. <laughs> that movie is fucking cursed, I swear to God. Yeah, you talk about Poltergeist being a cursed movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least nobody with the uh, New Mutants is dying. That's maybe true. maybe their careers, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see a bad boys four script being worked on have you seen I did the... hear about that but i still haven't seen bad boys for life i uh i not gonna pay twenty dollars to rent the movie okay hell yeah i totally recommend the movie that was i mean if, I, if i'm paying twenty dollars i'm gonna buy the movie i'm not renting it that's that's the thing. Like I, I've been, I've had this conversation like a million times. These movies companies, they want to charge you to rent the movie. Like they should just have you be able to buy it for that kind of money. Right. Like I know so many people have told me that like it put them off from wanting to watch it because it's just too damn much. It's more expensive than actually going to the theater and watching. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. And I guess they're just trying to make money hell. The best they can, you know, losing out on the movie theater experience. That's really dumb. Hope they start to work on this sequel sooner. I mean, you know, let's see. The first Bad Boy sequel came out, like, I think eight years after. And then now he had to wait 17 years later. It's like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence ain't getting any younger, so. (laughs) Martin Lawrence ain't getting any thinner. (laughs) Uh and uh, let's just be intrigued where they go from here. Stop yeah, revving, I, stop revving your engines outside. God damn it. I'm uh, definitely interested in, you know, seeing it. You know, I grew up watching the first two, so. And yeah, well, let's see. We got some stuff about Screen 5. Apparently, Nev Campbell is in talks to be in the movie. So, yeah, we could see some returning characters. And, well, uh, speaking of returning characters, I guess... uh. Matt Lillard is saying that uh, he'd be open to coming back as Stu. I saw that. And then I also saw that uh, David Arquette wanted to be in it or something. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's that's interesting, though. Like, bringing, you know, maybe not have Stu have been killed. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, is it really explained? I can't remember. Like, did he actually die? Well, I mean, he had big old TV dropped on his head. Well, Could I mean, somebody you know. survive that? I don't know. I mean. I mean, fucking Mark Wahlberg did in Ted. I, I guess, mean, He but... had the TV fall down on him and it zapped him up. Well, I mean, let's look at the difference. I mean, Wahlberg and Ted, too, well, you know, a, it's a, a lot combat. more modern, modern. It's a lot more modern times, too, so the TV is a lot more flat screen. And we're talking screen, which was made in the mid-90s, <laughs> where TVs were fucking humongous as shit. <laughs> really, really, really heavy. Yeah, so it's not like the zapping would kill you. It's 
The weight probably. Let me would. let me say this. It's it's a horror movie. Nobody really takes horror movies seriously anymore. Yeah. You know? I mean, look at fucking Michael and Jason. They came back, you know, a million times. Yeah, but you know, Scream is a lot more grounded in reality, though. But that may be true, but you know. I mean, maybe we'll find out that yo he is alive, been in the institution for years, and just horribly scarred. Yeah, they uh, they rushed him to emergency. He died. They brought him back to life, and then once he got all better, they shipped him off to the loony bin. That's there you go. I just did your entire backstory. You're welcome. Yeah. Where's my money? <laughs> I guess somebody's starting to petition for a Ghoulies reboot. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why. I never I never really got into those movies. Yeah, I mean, I it watched... was it was to me it was kind of like a rip off of you know Puppet Master. Or Gremlins. Or Gremlins or Critters. Yeah. I, I watched the first movie and wasn't a fan of that because, well, the ghoulies didn't even show up until, like, the last 30 minutes of the movie. It's like, okay, those are your title characters. Not going to even bring them in until... Second one was actually kind of fun. I mean, the best of the bunch, which ain't saying much. And I don't know, it's like, Ghoulies 3, I should have enjoyed a lot more, but... I, I just didn't. I was like, this movie's so fucking stupid. And yeah, coincidentally, uh, we were just talking about Matt Lillard, and he was in that movie. He was like more of a background character, no speaking lines, but yeah, he was he was in it. And <laughs> I, I still haven't seen Ghoulies 4. It's, it's been in my Netflix DVD queue for years. I'm just like been too scared to bump that up. Like, oh, <laughs> a fan of this franchise at all. Well, maybe yeah, they can I reboot just, it better. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure you and I could get in a, into a room and just fucking come up with something pretty good. So, I mean, it, there, there's a lot of creative people out there. I think, you know, if it's done right, it could be good. But, I mean, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I wasn't a fan of that series. Yep, ditto on that. And now another franchise uh, getting rebooted. And another franchise, you ask, why is this being rebooted? Uh, Children of the Corn. Uh, yeah, you just, you answered that. Why? And the guy in talks to uh, be rebooting it is Kurt Wimmer. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds so familiar. So listen to this guy's uh, filmography. So he's got uh, Sphere, Equilibrium, The Recruit, Law Abiding Citizen. And it's like, okay, that's decent so far. And then get to the last few movies he's done. As uh, a Total Recall remake, which, uh, well, listen to my, uh, what I've been watching in the last episode, DLC, uh, wasn't a fan of that one. And <laughs> the Point Break remake, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say this guy does not have a good track record with remakes. I would say not. It's just so weird. I mean, look at his filmography, you know, he's just a bunch of action flicks, yo. Equilibrium, Ultraviolet, Law-Abiding Citizen, Salt, and now he just wants to do uh, Children of the Corn all of a sudden. And, you know, it's just something I just was thinking of, I just don't understand. I mean, this is coming from somebody who actually liked the first movie and actually liked the first two sequels, but why does Children of the Corn have, like, big old franchise going on? What, what made them see that first movie and think, yeah, we can make endless movies of this. There's so much potential. I, I just don't get it. I don't know. Well, now it's being uh, rebooted. And, uh, huh, it can't get any worse, can it? <laughs> can it? <laughs> um, 
You never know. Pretty sure that's the question people thought after every one of the other sequels, so... Good lord! What are you watching? Well, as I said, uh, spoiler alert, I watched uh, 30 Rock again. I watched uh, the entire... Uh, the entire series, and then uh, after that, I moved on to The League, watched all of that. The other night, for the first time ever, I watched uh, Fun with Dick and Jane. Oh, yeah? And I thought that was really interesting to see Alec Baldwin playing that type of a character after <laughs> I just watched him play it in 30 Rock. <laughs> so I was just like, hey, look, it's Jack. He plays another character named Jack. That's like one of the very few Jim Carrey movies I haven't seen. Uh, it, it had some, you know, it had some funny moments. It, it really did, you know. Plus, uh, Taya Leone, she, she looks really good in the movie. What else? Uh, let's see. Uh, The Simpsons. I've been watching The Simpsons on uh, Disney Plus just because, you know, why not throw something on that, that's been on. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. That's all that stuff really ate a lot of my time. Then when I wasn't watching that, I was, you know, practicing on the guitar. And if you want to see the progress I've made, just check Twitter. Okay, so my list, well, we had a May 4th. We had a Star Wars day, so I watched Star Wars movies. And uh, let's see, just a bunch of rewatches, like Life Force, Daybreakers, Deep Blue Sea, Deep Rising, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Rampage, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Hellraiser, Dead Silence, See no evil. Uh, rewatched 300 for the first time in years, and yeah, I haven't seen that movie since it came out, and yeah, that's still good. It still holds up a bit. And then just because I watched that, decided to watch the sequel, 300: Rise of an Empire, which I knew almost nothing about, and so this movie's basically a prequel and a sequel at the same time. I mean, it shows like this other group, this other army just before, like. You know, the whole events of the first movie begin, and then, like, everything that was happening in the middle, and then what happens after the end. Mm, I don't know, this one wasn't as good. I mean, you know, I just didn't care about the characters like you do in the first movie, so it's an alright sequel, but wouldn't rush out to see it. Order the Batman box set. Well, you know, I have the Dark Knight trilogy box set, and... I decided to order the box set of the Burton Shoemaker movies. I only wanted to get, like, uh, the first one in Batman Forever, but it's like, I saw Amazon had a sale on it. I'm like, yeah, why the fuck not? I only wanted to get those two movies because, uh, for some reason, I never really cared for Batman Returns. But upon this rewatching, yeah, it's not too bad. It's kind of growing on me a bit. Danny DeVito as a penguin. That's kind of cool. And of course, you know, just as soon as I got done with Batman Forever, it was just like, well, let's come to this. And you know what comes after Batman Forever, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it's been years since I've seen this. Like, maybe it will be bad, but anyway, I'll just think it's okay. But no, oh, God, this movie's worse than I fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a schmuck. Maybe the only redeemable thing about it is just all the ice quips from Arnold. Let's kick some ice tonight, the Iceman cometh. But, oh, I just gotta say, yes, Clooney is definitely the worst Batman ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I... 
I even I never enjoyed his Batman. The thing I don't like about Batman is that he doesn't even attempt to disguise his voice at all. I mean, oh, Keaton, I wonder who that is. He sounds just like Bruce Wayne. I mean, you know, Keaton and Kilmer, you know, they had just a very slight change in voice, but you know, it was like you can definitely tell it's different from uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know. And even Kevin Conroy did the same thing in the animated series. I don't know, maybe something about Adam West, but Adam West, well, his show was cheesy as shit, so you know, you can't really question reality with that show. <laughs> I mean, gosh, you know, just watching Clooney, you know, not even attempt to disguise his voice makes me want to say, people. Do not complain about Christian Bale's Nathan Explosion voice in the Nolan trilogy. At least he fucking attempted. <laughs> and my God, Robin was so fucking whiny in this flick too. Like, oh, you're not letting me branch out, Batman. He just kept going back and forth with that. And you, you only hate me because Poison Ivy likes me. <laughs> and of course, what I also hate about that is. They totally fucked up Bane as well. <laughs> yeah. Him just being all done like, bomb, bomb. I mean, you know, I never, honestly, I never really cared for Bane at all until, like, the Tom Hardy role. And I think it's mostly just because I like Tom Hardy more than the character of Bane. But, yeah, this, this Bane, no, doesn't work. At least this movie existing and bombing did lead to uh, the Nolan trilogy, so, hey, it's not all that bad. Yeah, I gotta say, I remember growing up, you know, that Poison Ivy. She always did things to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at, the, at the very least, I think Uma Thurman probably did good as Poison Ivy. I mean, she played the role how it's supposed to, and... She's still the only live-action Poison Ivy, right? Maybe, uh, was there one on Gotham, the TV show? I don't know. I never watched that show. Yeah. I see. I watched a few movies on Rift Tracks, and let's just say watching these movies with Rift Tracks made them a whole lot more bearable. Movies like <laughs> Mind Ripper, a movie about, well, Lance Henriksen works at his secret facility where they find a dead guy, revive him, but, you know, they inject him with some virus that makes him, like, an um, unstoppable killer. Yeah. Not very good. Uh, a movie called Terror at Ten Killer. Uh, yep, there was definitely a Ten Killer, which was the name of the place these people were at. Not so much terror. <laughs> and this movie, this is the kind of movie I only would watch with riff tracks. A movie called A Talking Cat? I, I say it in that tone of voice because, you know, in the titles they have the uh, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. And, oh my fucking god. So, yeah, the movie is about a talking cat, uh, voiced by Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts, like, sounding so disinterested, probably in his recording booth, thinking, yeah, I was in the dark night. That's good enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a big star, right? <laughs> you know, the cat, well, we mostly just hear its thoughts, but it can only talk to people just once, so it has to, like, pick and choose what it says to these two families very carefully and you know and oh my god the talking effect they have on it like not even cg it's like more like ms paint yeah and let's see uh i decided to watch the i know what you did last summer trilogy which uh, those movies are guilty pleasures of mine 
I, I realize they're not really good movies, but I like them. Although watching the first I Know What You Did Last Summer, all I can think, of course, is about scary movie. Oh my <laughs> god, we hit a boot! <laughs> it's really hard not to imagine that movie after <laughs> you, you try and go back to like the serious stuff and it's just like oh i can't fucking do it <laughs> yeah that's what happens when you watch parody movies and then scary movies just too good i can't go back <laughs> and let's see last thing i watched was well the sequel to the boy brahms the boy 2 which oh, a lot boy. of people have been shitting on but I think me watching it with low expectations kind of softened the blow a bit. I mean, again, it's not good, but I don't think it was really shitty. <laughs> Probably the biggest problem with it is, like, they totally retconned the first movie. I I know you probably don't care about the first movie, right? Mm, eh, not really. Okay, so I'll spoil a bit, and listeners, if you don't want to be spoiled for the first or the second movie as skip ahead but uh you know the first movie of course you think it's a possessed doll but the big twist is we find out that's not it's just that the uh boy of course we thought was dead and taking having the doll take its place and somehow fiercely taking over this doll no he's not dead he's just been living in the walls for years and you know messing with people which i got that was actually kind of a cool twist of course this sequel is like no eh, actually the doll is possessed by an evil entity and it actually influenced that boy from the first movie and it possessed a, a bunch of other kids many years before and you know that's Kind of an interesting angle to take because you look at the IMDb and realize that these two movies have the same director and writer combo. Even they were like, yeah, let's just uh, do something different. Yeah, again, it's definitely not going to make my uh, top movies of the year at the end. At the same time, it won't make my worst movies of the year. So if you like the first movie... I I would say you could give this a shot, but again, not going to rush out to see it. And, uh, yep, that is my list. All right. Well, uh, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that was a pretty good opening. Yeah, that's Compared, <laughs> compared to uh, what it's been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's actually uh, stretched out for once. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Speaking of which, I think we should uh, move on. I, uh, I'm going to play a song, and when we come back, we are going to discuss Beverly Hills Cop 2.
Axel Foley is back. Who is he? I'd say he's a cop. <laughs> this is a Detroit badge. What the hell are you doing in Beverly Hills? I'm going deep, 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 deep undercover. Back where he doesn't belong. Excuse me, we're the owners of this house. They're in Hawaii for a week while the construction's happening. I'm Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Billy Inspector. You've stolen this house. How do you steal a house? It's my uncle's house. <laughs> United with all his old buddies. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Luck and Biddle. It's like kibbles and bits, but different. Oh, this is a big mistake, a big mistake. Would you lighten up and take some risks? This is definitely breaking the law. So how long would it take to shave those legs anyway? I suppose you're trying to be charming. Actually, I'm just offering my grooming services. Get out of here, you degenerate! I want you out of here! Is this a black thing? Hey! Tell your alarm, you gotta break it! I need authorization. Authorize! Are we having a problem here? You have to! Axel Foley! And this is Max. And Max kills cops for a living! Beverly Hills Cop 2. The Heat's back on. And we're back. I uh, don't want to spoil the feedback, but Balsack, I found my notes online this time. Because the copy that Jake sent me of the movie... Oof. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know what happened to all three of these fucking movies. <laughs> the, I mean... <laughs> Honestly, you know, all three of these movies, I I just said, fuck the copy I have and rented them from Amazon. So, I'll I'll help Scott fill in some uh, some spaces he might be missing. Yeah. So, uh, what's the IMDb for this movie, Jake? Beverly Hills Cop Two came out May twentieth, nineteen eighty seven, and a six point five on IMDb, so just a little lower than the first. Well, we got a new director. We got Tony Scott. Ridley Scott's brother, a director of a bunch of action flicks like Unstoppable and uh, Domino. Yeah, he had a he had a, quite a career, and of course uh, passed away. I actually think he killed himself, which is tragic. And uh, we got some returning people in this movie. Of course, we got Eddie Murphy returning, and Judge Reinhold, and Ronnie Cox as Boogamel, and some newer people. Well, of course, uh. Yeah, this one guy. I recognize the face, but his name, uh, Jurgen Prochnow. I would think that's how you'd pronounce it. He's a German. That's all they can say. <laughs> you got all the freaking big name ones in yours, and I got freaking German guy. No, well, there's some big names in this one too. We got the uh, 
I don't think she still is, but the once Mrs. Sylvester Stallone, Bridget Nielsen, and some other names we will see a little later, of course. All right. Well, uh, let's see. The movie starts out. We got Beverly Hills Police Captain Andrew Bogomel, Detective Billy Rosewood, and Sergeant John Taggart. They are uh, trying to figure out who is behind the alphabet crimes. A series of mostly... Screw you, Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, I'm not the only one it happens to. (laughs) Uh, Of mostly high-end store robberies distinguished by their monogrammed envelopes with an alphabetical sequence the assailants leave behind. Uh... Complicating matters in the new political state of the Beverly Hills Police Department, headed by incompetent and verbally abusive new police chief Harold Lutz, who is doing everything he can to stay on Mayor Ted Egan's good side. Uh, Unimpressed when Rosewood calls the FBI to help solve the case, Lutz holds Bogomil responsible as commanding officer and suspends him. Despite uh, Bogomil's efforts to convince him that Rosewood was only following a hunch, Lutz also punishes Tagger and Rosewood by placing them on traffic duty. Uh, on the way home, Bogomil is shot and injured by Carla Fry because you couldn't have come up with a better name than that. <laughs> What's wrong with that name? Fry, really? What, what kind of last name is that? Ask their ancestors. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The chief uh, henchwoman of Maxwell Dent. Uh, Finding out about the shooting by a news report, Axel Foley abandons his undercover duties and immediately flies out to Beverly Hills to help find out who shot Bogomil. I just love, like, when we do get, like, I think it's right after he finds out about the shooting, he gets to meet the person he's supposed to meet, and it turns out to be the guy from the first movie. I'm like, hey, man, take off your glasses. I thought that was you, man. You almost got me busted. I did get busted. I, I left the whole mess because of you, Vinny. What the hell wrong with you, man? I know I'm a businessman. I gotta work. Hey, man, take off your glasses. I thought that was you, man. You almost got busted. I did get busted. I lost my whole investment because of you. Vinny, what the hell is wrong with you, man? You know I'm a businessman. I got to work for You come inside a half hour late, and on top of all that, you're going to bring the goddamn cop with you, too? What are you talking, cop? He ain't no cop. That's Dirty Harry himself, man. What the fuck is wrong with you going to bring him in here? You calling me a cop? You definitely a cop. He ain't no cop. He's my nephew. Well, the dude is definitely bad luck. I don't know what he is to you. He's bad luck to me. Bad luck, I'll fucking tell you it's bad luck. My friend's in a prison body shop fixing all the cars that he smashed that day because you had to fuck around. This guy's a fucking clown. Hey, what, is, wait a what the fucking cop? I'm checking you for a wire, man. Fuck. You ain't no cop. Fucking oh, idiot. Oh, why can't I check you if you ain't a cop? Oh, 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 if he ain't wired, why can't I stop the boat? Why can't I frisk him? Why can't I Why won't he let me frisk him then? Cut the bullshit. Why can't I frisk him if he ain't got the wire? Cut the bullshit, man. Look, I got 2,000 blank American Express cards right now. Gold. You got the money? You want to do business or what? I have the money and I do want to do business, but with you, I ain't doing nothing in front of this dude because this dude is a cop. I know I can smell a pig inside the room. I used to be a Muslim, man, and I know that's Park over here. And then, yes, Park. It's definitely Park. I ain't doing shit around this dude, man. You want to do business? You know where to find me. Fuck you, man. Allahu Akbar. You calling me a cop? Come here, come here. Hey, hey, hey. He just likes to talk out of his ass. That's just who Foley is. <laughs> exactly. He's also got a, uh, a Ferrari that he likes to uh, drive around at really fast speeds, and it's it's pretty pretty reckless. Uh, 
Tagger and Rosewood agree to assist Foley because of Lutz's attempts to find an excuse to get them fired. Don't know why you would agree if you were on thin ice, but, you know, that's just me. Yeah, you know, it's just like Bogomel was saying, you know, some of the best cops are the ones who work off their hunches. Posing as an undercover FBI agent to get past Lutz with the aid of Detective Jeffrey Friedman, Foley soon starts making the connection between the robberies and Dent. He first finds out that the ammunition fired at one of the robberies was designed by the manager of a gun club owned by Dent. Oh, wait, he, he, he's something, actually... Uh, something shooting club. Actually, first is trying to make himself look like a, a psychic. My, my name is Johnny Wishbone! <laughs> I'm a psychic because <laughs> the island of St. Croix! Yes, I'm a psychic! <laughs> I read that the St. Croix Gazette that the Beverly Hills Department is having some trouble thinking that... <laughs> some whatever accent it was. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? Uh, Chief, this is... Shut up, Rosewood! Uh, my name is Johnny Wish Wishbone. Johnny Wishbone, and I'm a psychic from the island of St. Croix. Yes, I'm a psychic from the island of St. Croix, and I read in the St. Croix Gazette that the Beverly Hills Police Department had some trouble figuring out crimes. So what I did was come to Beverly Hills to help the police out. They tell me they don't want my help. They don't need my help, so I'm going to go on my merry way. I'm a psychic. I'm a psychic phenomenon. Watch this. I don't know who you are, but watch this. Um, your name is, um, Lutz, right? Chief Lutz, that's your name, see? The name pop inside my head like that. And your name is, um, um... Riddle? Riddle, yes, see? And you give two more seconds, I would say to myself, I don't need no help from no one because I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Lutz and Biddle. It's like kibbles and bits, but different. Excuse me. Sorry to bother you. Your name is Johnson, right? Johnny Wishbone. What the hell is going on here? What is this, a magic show? Get the hell, I'm going to have your badges if you don't go to traffic, dude. Do you hear me? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, see, balls like I'm helping Scott fill in the blanks here. Hey, man, I, I found the best fucking rundown I could online. You know, just that, that copy you sent me, man. Had it, had it been better, I probably would have been able to take better notes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, blame uh, the site I got them from, Ballsack. <laughs> <laughs> It's all their fault we can't have a, a better show. Uh, Foley has Bogomil's daughter, Jan, use her connections as, uh, as an insurance agent to find out about Dent's financial dealings. Dent is robbing his own businesses on purpose in order to finance firearms transactions with an arms dealer named Nikos Tomopoulos and is discreetly using his henchman, Charles Kane, as the front man for his operations. Uh, Bogomil was shot because his investigation was on the correct track into the case. Yeah, he, like, what, jogged, like, right through that site earlier? Something like that? Uh, something like that, yeah. Having uh, foiled a robbery attempt at a bank depot, Foley is able to trick Dent's accountant, Sidney Bernstein, <laughs> you know who that is it's Gilbert Godfrey <laughs> oh, 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 come in Don't let the fact that my door's closed That's why you anyway from entering my office Naturally, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I understand Wait, somebody won't wait Oh, oh, come right in Don't let the fact that my door's closed Dissuade you in any way from entering my office Sir, we're at the Beverly Hills Police Department. Are you Mr. Sidney Bernstein? Yes, lucky guess. Well, sir, you have 25 unpaid parking tickets. We have a warrant for your arrest. Tw 25? What 25? You what? have 25 unpaid parking tickets, sir? I, I, I pay my tickets. I pay, I pay all my tickets. Sir, 
Do you own a black Mercedes-Benz license plate number CRL 507? 507? That's my wife's car. That's not my car. That's my wife's car. Yeah, I mean, tickets. it's under my name, but it's my wife's car. No, no, no. Bitch! The tickets have not been paid. That means you're liable. Can you cuff Mr. Bernstein, please? Cuff me! Mr. There are Bern people out there with chainsaws. You're cuffing me. Well, sir, you have 25 unpaid parking tickets, and it's your car, so we have to take you in. Wait a second. I've got an idea. Is there something that I have in this office that I could hand to you and that would make you kind of forget that you're holding those uh, little pink tickets there? What are you trying to say, sir? I like you'd be holding something in that hand, and this hand you'd forget about. This hand you'd be concentrating on. That hand you'd go, what? What did I have there? I don't even remember. Oh, you mean like if I had um, $200 in this hand? Ouch, let go of my arm. $200. Ouch, please. I'm robbing you. That's what I'm doing. Here's one, here's two. They're real crisp. Well, now that you think yes. about Mr. Burns. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to use your uh, computer because I have to wipe all, all evidence of this transaction out, you know. No problem. No problem oh, at all. Thank you, Sydney, so much. Oh, oh, certainly. Thank you certainly. Very much. Yes. Also, Sydney, one other yes, thing. Yes, I mean, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm quite sure, man, your position understands that. Uh, my contact down at headquarters wouldn't want his name to be known. Don't I know it? Right. Don't so I could, know could it? Could you excuse me for a second yeah. while I? Uh huh. Up? Oh, you're gonna just yeah. yeah it's it's secret. It's like a James Bond thing. Exactly. Sure. Yes. So yes. You... Yes. Thank you. No problem. Hey, no problem at all. Anything you want to use? Guys, like you gotta do a Gilbert Godfrey impression. He goes, it's Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Is that the first movie we discussed with Gilbert Godfrey in it? Um, I... maybe. Yeah, because. I think it's gotta be because I know I would have uh, attempted that voice at some point. I pay my tickets. I pay all my tickets. Five hundred seven. That's my wife's car, not my car. <laughs> well, they uh, they trick Sydney into using his computer and Foley discovers that Dent and Carla are planning to leave the country. Uh, Foley also learns from Jan that all of Dent's businesses have had their insurance coverage canceled and are about to go bankrupt except his racetrack, which he is convinced is the next target. Uh, on the way to the racetrack, Foley solves the latest riddle sent to the uh, police and is convinced that this riddle was made easily solvable in order to implicate Kane as the alphabet bandit. However, Foley knows Kane is a patsy designed to throw the authorities off of Dent's trail. One thing I want to point out uh, <laughs> is uh, fucking uh, Foley. You know, in the beginning, he goes up into that house and he's like, "I'm the, I'm the, uh, so some, some sort of manager," and he just he sends everybody away. <laughs> he just steals the house, basically. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm the building inspector. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta get out of here for a week. <laughs> Everybody stop what you're doing, please! Stop it! Stop what you're doing! I'm Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Billy Inspector! Everybody stop what you're doing! I'd like to speak with your foreman, please! Everyone stop! You! Put the bucket down! 
Put the bucket down. Somebody give me the foreman. I'd like to see the foreman. Can you give me the foreman, foreman here. You're the foreman? Yeah. Well, I need to see the plans then for this house because you're making a very big fucking mistake. Get the plans for me, please. Who are you? Stop working. I'm Axel Foley, the Beverly Hills building investigator. Didn't they tell you I was coming? No. They didn't? No. But give me the goddamn yeah. plans. Can get you guys plans. stop working, please? Stop it. Get the plans. Stop working. Give me the plans. Oh, here you go. Whoa, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. This is wrong. What? These are wrong. What do you mean? These are wrong plans. Why? These are the old plans. Old? These are the old plans. What are you talking about? Weren't you at the meeting? No. With the Andersons before they went up to Hawaii? No. They didn't tell you to come to the meeting? No. I wasn't there to change these plans. I don't know. The Andersons, before they went up to Hawaii, they changed the plans. Oh, man. The plans have been changed. They're not supposed to be any right angles on this building. Wait. You, you, stop working. Stop, stop working. You guys have destroyed these people's houses, and now Wait, I no. have to change this. No we right have to angles. This thing's round as a donut. What are you, a fucking art critic? No. They got the money, want to live in a donut? Let them live inside a donut. You know, people get money and lose their mind. So people say, I want to live in a round house. Very you got right. the money for it? Fuck it. Guys, stop. Look, look, look. Just stop it. I'm going to have to straighten this whole thing out. I'm going to have to talk to my people, and then they'll talk to their people, and yeah. then they'll talk to your people, and maybe this whole thing will get taken care of and nobody get fired, okay? I just maybe did what they showed you. Well, you, you know, did the yeah. right thing, but whoever gave you this, an asshole. Son of so stop. Everybody just come on down, go home, come relax, on. you got the week off, and we'll straighten this whole thing out, just leave it in my hand. And I think you should give your boys a big round of applause, because they did. you have done a good job. Because other than the house being square, it's beautiful, you've done a good job for yourself, but go home now, and relax for the rest of the week, I'll straighten this whole thing out, it's Miller time. Alright, thank you. So you're gonna straighten all this stuff out, huh? Will you stop worrying and go home? Trust me. Can somebody clean some of this shit up before you leave, though? You stole this house. How did I steal this house? This is my uncle's house. <laughs> <laughs> like how Tagger falls into the pool, and then he's just, <laughs> he dresses up as, like, a freaking... Uh, what do you even... He's like oh. an 80s golfer. Yeah, something like that. And, oh, <laughs> when they get to that strip club, they say he's like... Oh, some former president. <laughs> president uh, Taft or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's his secret servant, secret service agent. <laughs> They're all it just sitting around. Like He's got free drinks and shit. It doesn't look like him. Well, it looks different without all the makeup on. <laughs> See, we didn't forget everything, Ballsack. Don't fucking write us. <laughs> Well, the uh, the three arrive too late to stop the robbery and find Kane's body among those killed. While Lutz announces publicly that the alphabet crimes have been solved, Foley notices some red mud at the stables, which leads him, Tagger, and Rosewood to Dent's oil field, where Dent is making his final arms deal with Tomopolis. The three get into a very large shootout with everyone involved in the deal. And uh, Billy's uh, using that big whole bazooka. <laughs> He's like trying to figure it out. He's like, uh, right, pull pal and fire. <laughs> and <laughs> <shoots> that truck. <laughs> but yeah, something else. Like we just find out that uh, Billy likes a lot of weapons in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, he's got a lot of guns in his house. <laughs> They're like, Billy, we need to talk. <laughs> but. Uh... Dent confronts Foley in the warehouse, but Foley gets distracted by one of Dent's uh, henchmen on the roof above him, and Dent gets away. Uh, Dent then crashes through the wall in his car, and Foley shoots Dent through the windshield, sending his car down a hill and erupting in flames, because that car totally didn't just, you know, change positions in the, <laughs> in the span <laughs> of a second. <laughs> 
Um, after running Foley over, Carla appears and is about to kill Foley, but is shot dead by Taggart. Uh, just as the last thugs are about to flee, the police arrive upon the scene, arresting the remainder of Densemen and Tomopolis. After Lutz and uh, Mayor Egan arrive, an infuriated Lutz tries to fire Rosewood and Taggart for their insubordination and also tries to arrest Foley. However, uh, both Taggart and Rosewood stand up to Lutz this time and prove that Dent was the real uh, alphabet bandit, as well as the other alphabet crimes were about uh, an arms deal. I'm trying to find like how Billy just uh, goes off on him. Oh. He's like, <laughs> basically what I just said. And then, you know, Les is like, shut your mouth. And he's like, no, you shut your mouth. <laughs> what the hell have you done here? Looks like a goddamn war zone. What the hell have you done here, Tagger? Tell me. We solved the alphabet crimes. You shut up! Who the hell is talking to you? I personally solved the alphabet case up in a body bag over an hour ago. And you? I don't give a goddamn what federal agency you say you're working for. You're in jail, buddy. Chief, wait a minute. Shut up! What the hell do you think you're doing here, bringing down a firefight in the middle of my city? You're out of the cop business for good, forever. Will you just listen a minute? Shut up! You shut your mouth once and for all. No, goddammit, you shut up! This is what the alphabet crimes are all about. Guns! Guns? That guy sold them and then bought them with stolen money from Adriano's and his own racetrack. He was on his way to Central America. And if you'd bother to take your head out of your ass, you'd see we'd stop the whole goddamn thing! You watch yourself! Just a minute, Lutz. Why didn't I know about this? Because Chief Lutz doesn't have the guts to hear the truth from real cops. That's why we had to go undercover with Detective Foley to solve this case. That cuts it, Taggart. You're fired! Yeah? Kiss my ass! Kiss mine! You're fired, too! Lutz. Isn't that right? I think I've just about had it with your abusive attitude. I'm sorry, I get carried away. I'm sorry. You are fired. Do you understand that? Don't overreact, Ted, please. You're fired. I want you out of here now. Get out of here! Fired! You'll regret this, Ted. I regret it now. I've regretted it for the last two months. You'll, You'll regret you. this. You're out of here. Get out of here. Will you get out? Get out! Are they civilians now? You bet. I'm gonna kick your ass later! Axel, thank you so much, really. I've got to go to a charity meeting, Food for the Homeless for Beverly Hills. Oh, but tomorrow Food for the Homeless. I'd like to make a donation, sir. It's $200 in the name of Sidney Bernstein. That's my alias. I don't like oh. a lot of publicity. Thank you, Axel. I mean, Sidney Bernstein. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. If you get your head out of your ass long enough, kiss my ass, <laughs> you're getting more and more like me every day. Next thing you know, you're going to have afros. <laughs> Big dicks and all. <laughs> the like, I have had it with your abusive attitude. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are they civilians now? You bet. I will kick your ass later. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, also able to convince uh, Mayor Egan of Lutz's incompetence, as Lutz would have interfered if uh, he had known about their activities, as he intentionally ignores the truth from other cops. Fire fires Lutz because he is tired of his, you know, abusive attitude towards his own men. Uh, Mayor Egan chooses Bogomil to replace Lutz as the new police chief. Uh, Foley returns to Detroit, but not before he gets chewed out by Inspector Todd over the phone. After uh, Egan calls Todd to congratulate him on following Foley to assist them on the case. That's where it ends, but uh, they 
they uh, all go to the house again, and uh, <laughs> Rosewood and Taggart see Foley off as the uh, the actual owners of the house pull up. <laughs> Who is that black guy? <laughs> as he's driving away, he looks back, and he got that smile on his face. <laughs> and we roll credits. So, Jake, what did you think? Uh, uh, I got to add one more thing you missed out on. I mean... I imagine like it really went off there in that part, but a party at the Playboy Mansion. That, <laughs> that was it. Because uh, I also want to mention that because did you recognize the valet driver at the party? Uh, Chris Rock. Yeah, probably Chris had to Rock be. and you have not right at that party. Yeah, probably had to be his very first role. I mean, one of his very first roles. You know, he had some crazy ass fucking hair. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> I, as you can see there is rundown filling and helping scott fill in some things i did have a lot of fun with this i mean you know axel he's probably going a hell of a lot more crazier in this movie which yo it's a sequel that's the rule go a lot more crazier it's just so much good shit in this movie and you know he has some good shit also with billy and his love of guns and a bunch of dangerous weapons. I mean, he just pulls out just a random weapon anytime. And like, what the fuck, Billy? <laughs> Where the <laughs> hell do you keep storing these things? <laughs> uh, this one, I'm going to give a pretty good. Uh, I'm going to agree. Uh, another uh, pretty good for this one. Uh, the first two movies were uh, a lot of fun so far. You know, it's, it's you know. Eddie Murphy being serious, but at the same time, you know, lots of, you know, comedic effect to him. So, you know, it, it really works. And then, you know, you got the, the supporting cast. They really play their parts really well. And it's just, it, it makes the whole thing, you know, a lot of fun. Pretty good. So, can this continue? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Well, now let's just take a break and... One struggling to figure out what kind of song I want to use, so whatever I decide on, you'll hear it. And then, well, look at you, my first uh, Beverly Hills Cop rundown, because I realized Scott had all of them so far. <laughs> <laughs> I did first, too. <laughs> uh, break time. Please.
Police Department. To continue this message in English, press one pound. If you have homeless people on your lawn, press two star. So what brings you to California, Axel? Vacation? I'm looking for a killer. One, please. We got some evidence that points to one the world. Thank you. Thank you. You mean Rufus Rabbit has gone berserker? You got yourself in the middle of a federal investigation. I got killed a police officer. He killed a friend of mine. You just keep him out of my face and out of my park. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a tremendous surprise for Mr. DeWall to have me standing right next to him right now. You know, right now I can feel his body tingling. Bring that man down. Code red on the spider. Now hold on tight. <laughs> Axel. Hey, hey, hey. Officers, I want this man arrested. I'm sure you can explain everything, or maybe you can't explain anything. You're going back to Detroit. You've got to turn yourself in, man. Why is it so hard for you all to see there's something rotten going on at that park? Kill him. your new look. Look Thank at your you skin and Thank your you. hair. And then finally you have black hush poopies, which are totally retro, which I love. You, you put a and really good now we are together. back. Beverly Hills Cop 3, May 25th, 1994. A 5.6. So, uh, these scores keep going down. Director, well, we got a different one. We got John Landis. That should be a familiar name to everybody. Blues Brothers, <laughs> Animal House, American Werewolf in London, among other things. And it's kind of weird to you just realize this trilogy never had the same director. I mean, can you name any other trilogy kind of like that? Mm, no. And of course, once again, we got Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold and uh, a bunch of other names that uh, what I hate is for the cast on for this on IMDb, they decided to go with first build, which means, you know, <laughs> the order you see the people in. And so yeah, a bunch of the bigger names we I have to scroll down to see. But, yeah, there, there are some big names in this one. Like John Saxon's in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyway, this movie begins. We're back in Detroit, and uh, Axel's, like, uh, in a group 
planning to bust some car thieves in the local shop shop. And that's when his inspector, Todd, comes around asking what the hell's going on. And, yep, another returning guy, uh, Gil Hill. And, yeah, just from what I see as IMDb profile, the Beverly Hills Cop movies are the only thing he ever really did. Hmm. Yeah, nothing else. Like, there's archive footage, but it's just like, uh, so I wonder if it's, like, close to, like, the screenwriter, director, something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, he's asking what the hell's going on, and, you know, Axel tells him he canceled the SWAT that was supposed to raid it, but he's like, no, I want to use my team. (laughs) Always a great idea, Axel. We get inside the shop shop, and we see the car thieves there dancing around to some oldies when the other team comes in, and, you know, they're picking up this one van, and uh, they decide they're going to kill all these car thieves. And, uh, well... Axel and his gang, they're not aware of that, so they come in and a big old shootout ensues. Shootout with some machine guns. I'm like, you didn't say they had machine guns, Axel! Todd, he goes into it back to handle. Well, one of the bad guys, he's inside one of these cars and sees him, so he shoots him. And Axel sees him being shot and is just like, no! And goes to BSI and the last words he says to him is like, Foley, you and I coffee break? Get to some bitches. So a big ol' chase scene comes out, and my god, is Axel's car getting, like, totally fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not really his car, it's a chopped up car that's already, you know, in the process yeah. of being chopped up. Oh yeah, and what I really like is, like, you know, you see the bad guy, he's driving the car, and you got his assistant, well, he gets shot, and he, he's a cold-blooded motherfucker, he sh- pushes this guy out of his car, and gets run over by Axel. But just before Axel can catch these guys, uh, secret service agents, like, come up and block his path. One of these guys, uh, Steve Albright, he's leading the group. Uh, Stephen McCaddy, another big thing, was in uh, 300 Watchmen. And this movie I really want to watch again, Pontypool. Yeah, he's informing that uh, they must remain, have this guy remain on the loose because... They're presuming a larger scheme, which this guy's involved with. So they just tell Axel to uh, just uh, leave this whole thing alone. But you know Axel. <laughs> well, now we're at Todd's funeral. You know, guys, guys singing Amazing Grace. Sad moment to even see Axel shedding some tears. Well, he's talking to some guys and they just learn about how these killers are going to Wonderworld. A theme park in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Isn't it just so funny how Axel keeps getting involved with stuff that go to Beverly Hills and Detroit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so convenient. Not weird at all. <laughs> so he decides he's going to go to Beverly Hills once again. And he meets with Billy, who's been promoted now. He's been promoted to... <clears throat> <laughs> Deputy Director of Operations for Joint Systems Interdepartmental Operational Command, or DDOJSIOC. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> right? Anything yeah. passes over the green line. <laughs> yep, it's all about the green lines. Come in. It's open.
Thanks for falling. Billy, how you doing, man? I don't believe it. Look at your office. Look at this. You got three windows in here and Venetian blinds and a ficus. And a big, healthy ficus in your office. <laughs> Not just the ficus. Look. You got a refrigerator in your office? Man, J. Edgar Hoover didn't even have a refrigerator in his office. Just maybe some hair curlers in the dryer or something. <laughs> what, they promote you to captain or something? I'm D-D-O-J-S-I-O-C. -O -C. The J.G. Jojo C? What is that? It stands for Deputy Director of Operations for Joint Systems Interdepartmental Operational Command. Okay. Here we are. Los Angeles. One of the greatest cities in the world, Axel. It's divided. Divided by its unique geography. Geography? L.A. is a vast metropolis with social and economic imbalances spread over an enormous distance. A criminal hits here, Beverly Hills, then here, West Hollywood, then here, downtown. Whose responsibility is it? Everybody's? Impossible. So it all comes here. Every crime that crosses a green line. A green line? Green lines of jurisdiction. Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, downtown, the Valley, Santa Monica. Peace officers respect these green lines, Axel, but the criminal doesn't. So whenever a criminal crosses between green lines, that's when the DDOJSIOC goes to work. That's very impressive, Billy. I control the green lines. And Axel, whoever controls the green lines, controls Southern California. <laughs> and of course, you also learned that Taggart has been retired for years, so he's got himself a new partner, John Flinch. And so uh, he learns that Flinch has some connections to this uh, Wonder World knows the head of security there, Ellis Wald. Axel tells him to set up an appointment with him, but now we get to Wonder World, a scene park, which uh, I think is basically kind of this movie's version of Disney World. Mm, yeah. And uh, well, he's trying to talk to the lady at the ticket booth, but she hears of no appointment, and apparently it's $35 to get in. It's like, $35! But after a talk with the security guards, he's like, okay. And so he gets in there and he sneaks into like a security part and he sees a thing called alien attack. So he wants to check this out where he first meets uh, the shit called Janice Perkins, who's working behind the scenes of that. And this alien attack thing looks pretty cool. In fact, you know what? I'm thinking I've been on some rides like this. Like I know I've been to Disney. Um, I forget if it was world or land. But I also went to Universal, and they had a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, it's just so cool. Like, you know, you're in this uh, little compartment, and you've got these alien things firing lasers at you, water coming down. And look like this uh, other compartment is, like, breaking apart. And they used to have so much cool rides like that. Ah, uh, memories. Yeah, I uh, I was never lucky enough to go on that kind of stuff. You know, the Jan's chick says, Hey, what are you doing here? He's like, hey, you're right. I shouldn't be in here. So he leaves, and well, he gets cut by the security guards, and well, these security guards are probably a little bit more than security guards because they don't go up and tell him to leave. They start fucking shooting at him. So he escapes, and then he gets on this ride, and uh, he actually steals uh, a little compartment of this ride from George Lucas. <laughs> you recognize? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should have told him, hey, man, you came up with Jaw Jaw Beaks. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> well, he's on this, uh, yeah, it's called the Spider Ferris. You know, it's like kind of a Ferris wheel, but instead of like saying, it's got like more cage-like things rather than the usual Ferris wheel ride you see. But the bad guys start messing with the controls and it 
fucks up this ride, and well, one of these uh, compartments has these two kids in it, and it that uh, spills over, and these kids are hanging on for dear life, much to the horror of one of their moms and everybody else on the ground looking at this. So Axel has to make a heroic move right here, jumping around, climbing, trying to get to these kids, and I have right here my notes. Nice green screen. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, there's a couple bad CG and green screen moments. Yeah, really comes clear in HD as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But of course, uh, Billy and Flint, they hear about this, you know. I mean, they don't really know, they don't hear the names and all, but they just hear stuff going on at Wonderworld, and they know, they know it's Axel. They <laughs> just know. Axel. He's able to save these kids' lives, and... He has a meeting with the head of security, you know, John Saxon. Orrin Sanderson, that's his name. And so oh, you, you can just call him John Saxon if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's John Saxon. <laughs> yeah. They finally call in this D-Wald guy, and we've actually seen D-Wald before. He's the guy who shot Todd. That son of a bitch. Naturally, Axel freaks the fuck out, you know, trying to... Get at him, of course. The security guards are holding him back. And well, I mean, what? you just you you saw this guy kill your. I mean, you you could kind of call him a friend, you know. Yeah. You'd probably freak out too. Oh yeah. yeah. Of course, Billy and Flint come and pick him up, and you know, just saying, there's no way this deep walled guy could be the killer. Maybe you're just mistaken. He learns of a event. Uh, Man of the Year award event that's going on at night. And, of course, Billy decides he's going to assist him. So we get to this place, and, well, one of the first guys we meet is Serge. It was just a little small role in the first movie, but he comes back. He was uh, working in an art shop in the first month, but that went uh, bankrupt, and now he's working with weapons. Oh, I just love this scene right here. I mean, Bronson Pinchot from Perfect Strangers. <laughs> that guy was totally fucking hilarious and i just love the way he speaks in this movie and especially his pronunciation of the character's names like it's not billy but b even has like a pronunciation of his own name like Serge. don't say Serge. that sounds like a detergent no why i don't believe this aquel What are you doing here? Serge. 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 Look at your head. Yeah, I, I love it short. Yes, sir. Turn around. Have, uh, would you Turn look around. <laughs> I don't believe how perfect you look. And then finally you have black hush poopies, which are totally retro, which I love. You, you put a really good package together. You remember Billy Rosewood? Billy? Billy? I remember you. Do you remember? Of course. I made you an espresso at the art gallery with a lemon twist. It was the last one I ever made. It's terrible to drink espresso. Do you know why? It stained your teeth. It makes, I'm not going to show you mine, but let me see your teeth. They're so pretty. Can I see your teeth? Look, and you got healthy gums. Do you do colonics? Excuse me? Do you do colonics? Colonics. No, never. It's my new favorite thing. Oh, you did the colonics? Oh, I can't uh, tell you what it's like because they stick holes up inside I know I and no but you got to understand outcomes it a candy bar from when you were five what happened to your art gallery that you had the art gallery is completely bankrupt in the toilet why 
because we had an owner who was obstinate and stupid and ignorant. You shot him, remember? You oh, remember right. him? Yes, I shot him. What are you doing there? I'm doing guns. Come and look. Come and look. <laughs> this is my booth, and it's the survival boutique. We are doing weapons and protective devices and products for survival in the helter-skelter world of today. Okay, now one thing's very important. At the survival boutique, I feel that it's my personality, my philosophy, that everything must conform to the three P's, okay? Which is protection, prestige, and pretty. I mean, why you should look ugly if you're just trying to survive? You should be able to maintain your personal sense of style and be safe as well. Okay, what do you think this is? It looks like a keychain, but it's so much more. This is called a stunner. It is designed by an ex-Navy SEAL, okay? Very serious individual. I never see him smile. Also, I never see him in a pair of pants that fit. Someone comes up to you who is a carjacker. Do you want to die for your Camry? I don't think so, right? So you say, a little bit of deception. I want to separate my house keys from my car keys, okay? I'm just going to, to push this button, okay? And he says, okay. And then you push this button and out it comes from the mechanism, the brightest blinding light ever that you're seeing, he cannot see, he's like this. Everyone has come running to help you. And once again, you have survived with style. Wow, that's cool. Billy, I want to give you one for a present, okay? Thank you. And Achwell, I want to give you one because I worry about you. I want you to be safe. Thanks. Now I'm going to show you something that is going to totally blow your rocks off. It's absolutely orgasmic and my most thing that I'm proud of, it's the most up-to-date, the ultimate survival tool for today. The dawn of a new generation in luxury personal weaponry. The Annihilator 2000 is America's premier survival home and travel total security unit. The Annihilator 2000 is a lightweight, high-performance weapon that meets the demands of the new generation of upper-income urban survivalists. The Annihilator 2000 has the conveniences of a cellular telephone with fax machine and a microwave oven. <laughs> Night vision goggles, microprocessor, verbal alarm systems, a compact disc player, digital AM-FM radio, video camera, and playback functions are just a few of the features of the extraordinary Annihilator 2000. You think those are real? Stopping power is a matter of convenience with your Annihilator 2000. That's Dodie, my personal trainer. She can bench press 200 pounds. She's working on reducing my body fat, but it's really difficult because I keep sneaking away to have a goat cheese. I don't care, I wear suits. The Annihilator 2000 is constructed of a lightweight aluminum alloy combined with the new polymer technology, making it totally resistant to corrosion. The dawn of a new generation in luxury personal weaponry, the Annihilator 2000 is America's premier survival home and travel total security unit. Now who the hell is gonna buy that shit? Are you joking? This is a lie. I'm selling hundreds of these. It's on back order. Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot, because I am trying to tell you. I sell 10 of these to Jackie Stallone for stocking stuffers. Get the fuck out of here. Sly come in and bought 14. Zaza Gabor has one. Ava has yeah, we one. We gotta go. Thanks, sir. Thanks. Ah, well, try to say sales. It's not so difficult. Surge sounds like a detergent. Ah, well. Surge. Again. Surge, I need a weapon.
I don't have any weapon. I take all back to the boutique. What? what about this? Well, this is the floor model. You know, people been breathing on it, couching on it, touching it. It's Sir, not... I need a weapon now. Donny, Donny, Ahmed in some kind of rush. Okay, so take the annihilator and just wash it off with some swab of colonia or something and take the case and make sure it's nice and pretty, okay? It's Corinthian leather. I like showing a bunch of things like this weaponized keychain he has and uh, the Annihilator 2000. Which, a name like that, you gotta <laughs> assume it's pretty fucking awesome. Well, now we're at the event and there's Dewalt up on stage getting his award. And Axel decides he's going to crash us. He's going up on stage and talking a bunch of shit. And uh, Billy, he decides he's going to hide behind a bunch of plants. Please don't do this, Axel. Please don't do it. Don't do Bravo! it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Bravo, Alex DeWolf! Alex DeWolf! Bravo! My name is Axel Foley. I'm a Detroit police officer, and it is a tremendous surprise for Mr. DeWall to have me standing right next to him right now. You know, right now I can feel his body tingling. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that there's not a night that goes by that I don't think about what I owe Ellis DeWall. And there's not a night that passes that I don't think about what the people of Detroit owe Ellis DeWall. And I'd just like to say, when I sit here and I see y'all giving this award for, uh, what's this here? Oh, that's beautiful. The gratitude for community service. And I'm going to do the community a service because I'm going to pay back Ellis DeWall everything we owe him with interest. <laughs> Ellis DeWall! Ellis DeWall! Oh, smile, Ellis. Get them last few smiles in. Well, what's the matter, Foley? You mad at me for shooting your boyfriend? So yeah, that's a, that's a real good hiding spot. It's totally inconspicuous. Well, he's up on that stage, and yeah, he's just trying his best to get D-Wall to, like, uh, spill some beans, but he's not, and they end up all getting arrested. Oh, a little thing I skipped, of course. Is that, well, we got to meet a guy who, the head of Wonder World, Uncle Dave. Janice brought him along to Axel's place. And, yo, yo, he recognized Uncle Dave. I mean, he's a big figure. And, it's of like course, Walt Disney. Yeah, and uh, it's a recognizable actor, too. Uh, he's the voice of Scrooge McDuck from the old DuckTales and also Wilbur from Mr. Ed. Uh, I've never seen either of those. Well, he came by because, like, a friend of his, Roger Fry. Oh, there's that name again, Scott. Fry. Ugh. I wonder if they're related. 
<laughs> You'd have to think so. Well, he disappeared. You killed my sister. I must get revenge. Now, this guy disappeared and only left behind a, a message. Uh, shoot, which I wrote down what this message is. Uh, so dangerous, I have to go. Something like that. Mm, yeah, something like that. Okay, since I skipped that, we're now back to Axel and Billy. Well, they got arrested after the whole big brawl at this Man Year Ward event. Oh, he's calling Flint to bail him out, but it seems like Axel is getting bailed out early. But not Billy, unfortunately. And uh, who's uh, the man bailing him out? Oh, it's Fulbright, telling him to get the hell off this case, and he's got tickets for him to go back to Detroit. After a while, uh, Axel ends up back at Wonderworld. But of course, the security guards, they have pictures, and they know who to look out for, so he's disguised as a character. An elephant named Okie Dokie. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Maybe not the best disguise when you're walking through a park like these because some of these kids recognize the character like, Smokey Dokey, I want my picture with him. And then there's this punk kid to start coming up to him, talking shit to him. Maxwell ends up knocking him right into a fountain. But then the kid's like yelling, Grandma, okie dokie, push me! And there's Grandma looking all pissed off. So Axel's like, oh shit. Then he runs away and he meets up with Janice, who uh, helped him out trying to get into this. He has to go into this abandoned place called Happy Forest Ride. So he gets in there and he discovers, like, everybody. They seem to be working with uh, printing paper with American currency because they're in the middle of a counterfeit money ring. Well, uh... Axel probably shows a really poor spot to spy on these guys because d just looks in the mirror and, yep, here's Axel right there. Like, full view. Like, I should have picked a better hiding spot, Axel. <laughs> Ended up uh, escaping right through the park and just ends with uh, Axel being surrounded by all these guards and a guy filming all this shit. And he just ends up shooting a gun into the air, letting them take him in. And again, little argue between these guys and Fulbright comes in he's like hey let me show you what you're looking for they go into the room which seems to be where he uh, saw all the counterfeit money but no they got him fooled because all we see is that they're printing out wonder world dollars like yeah we're gonna give this to all the kids man why do you think we're doing some crazy shit like this so again Flint's picking him up taking him back well he knows they're being followed so he tells uh Flint to pull over and he just takes off running well, he meets up with Uncle Dave, and he's, like, telling him that he figured out that the note is, like, suspicious. And then he looks at the note even closer. He's realizing this is what they're, the paper, that's what they're printed the money on. You kind of uh, think you would figure that out a lot earlier than when you did. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> but, uh, he tells him this, well, uh, DeWald shows up with his guys, you know, because he says he used to be a former cop, he knows what he would do. So they shoot Uncle Dave, and then try to frame Axel for it. But Axel gets away and gets Dave to a hospital, you know, trying to help him out, and then, well, you know, he's asking these cops where the coffee sh machine is, and they go off, and they get a thing on the radio, it's like, a black man shot Uncle Dave, and... I just love that they just say black man, and the cops are like, oh, a black man just walked by us. <laughs> oh, a black man. It must be that guy. <laughs> he totally did it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it is uh, L.A. in the 90s, so. <laughs> but, uh, of course. This is racist. <laughs> again, there, of course, Axel bailed out. And, of course, now there's getting some reports of a black man shooting Uncle Dave, and people are not happy. 
So he tries calling up Jan, but uh, thinks that DeWald has her captive, tells him to come to Wonderworld alone. But of course, he has to call for Billy. We get there, and he's like saying, oh, the paper's in my car, and he tries to... Oh, wait, I forget that he first stopped by Surge, because he needs to get the Annihilator 2000. He's there trying to give him the keychain, but it turns out to be the keychain that Surge gave him earlier. It just lets out a blinding light, and Billy comes in, and a huge brawl ensues. Billy and Jan end up in a room where once Axel pulls the fire alarm, it just shuts on them because uh, it's a important room. So in case of a fire alarm, they shut the doors and end up like with a bunch of cooling to protect all the files. It seems hard to get out of, but they figure out using the computers to like send a signal and it will uh, it will uh, get to Flint's attention. Of course, they end up do getting out there eventually, end up breaking the windows. You gotta imagine, how cold do you think that was? I don't know, like, they looked uh, like they were shivering when they came out, but, I don't know. You would probably maybe imagine, like, like at the freezer, if you stay in there any longer, it could mean, like, death or something like that. You would like to think, but, you know. Now all these bad guys are after Axel, and he gets the Annihilator 2000 out. And point at them, and, well, first thing it does is uh, shoot out, like, something like a net, I think. And so he messes with it a bit, and points at them again, and it plays music. Oh, messing with it again, and finally it does start shooting out bullets, and even shoots out, like, a, a rocket or something like that. Mega explosions, like, oh, damn! <laughs> Eventually ends up in alien attack, and he's really using that place to his advantage, like, like one guy gets crushed by, uh, the falling uh, platform, and, uh, well, one of the few other bad guys come in. He hides behind the dead body of one of these bad guys and pretends to be him, <laughs> kind of using him as a puppet. Like, <laughs> you went up those stairs, and these guys actually <laughs> fucking fall for it. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to imagine how far away they were compared to, you know. Yeah. Plus, it, the, the blood was hide, was hidden behind the uh, the tie he was wearing. I, I, I guess, but he was like, hmm, that guy sounds a little bit like the guy we're looking for. <laughs> but anyway, he leads them up to the stairs where the water comes out and totally wipes these guys out. Well, Billy comes out and he's ends up shooting a few of these guys and ends up getting shot himself. Well, Flint arrives and <laughs> shoots a few of these guys, and all the while, the whole Wonder World music's going in the background. He's like, will you shut that shit off? We see John Saxon. Well, he was, like, watching the security footage, telling everybody where Axel's going, but somebody walks into the room and ends up shooting him. So somebody else is working with them. Who could this be? Hmm. <laughs> Normally the guy who wanted to get rid of Axel the entire time. Axel and DeWald end up meeting in one of these rides, and he ends up shooting him. Well, actually, after getting a few shots in himself. And so, after that, uh, Fulbright comes in, and it turns out he's the man who shot John Saxon. They end up fighting, and uh, Flick comes in, well, getting a little shot in the arm, but ends up shooting Fulbright dead. And so they're sitting down, just so tired and shot up, and in comes Billy, who's still alive, you know, bleeding from the side. <laughs> he's like... Ah, hey guys, ends up passing out. Yeah, I love Flint. He's laughing. He's like, <laughs> he needs medical attention. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in shock. <laughs> now we see that Uncle Dave has made a recovery and he has a announcement to make. So up on stage, there's 
at the old Billy and Flint all in wheelchairs. And the announcement he has is that to sync Axel, he's made up a new character. Axel Fox. Big old Fox with a, a Detroit jacket on it. <laughs> and then Jen comes up to him and says, you want to go on this tunnel of love? Oh, I didn't know you had a tunnel of love, right? We will soon. That's where we roll credits. <laughs> Scott, what do you think about this movie? Um, It's definitely not, I think, as good as the first two. Yeah, it, it it definitely kind of sucked not having, you know, Taggart in there. And, you know, I don't know. It's just the dynamic that wasn't there as, as the first one were. Even though you, you could try and replace it with, you know, Hector Elizondo. But, you know, still, it just... To me, it, it, it didn't work as well as it could have. Um, Billy definitely could have had a bigger role in the movie. But he did and, uh, you know, it, those are the things I feel like worked really well in the in the first two. But in this one, it just did. They didn't have that. It, it was really more of just the actual show. And I guess I, I don't really have too much of a problem with that. But, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it didn't feel like there was as much comedy that could have, you know, come through in this one as, as the first ones did. Yeah, this, uh, this one felt more like a, a serious, you know, take on it. I guess, yeah. And now you think about it, yeah, it was kind of mostly Axel working by himself. Um, I think I'm going to go just okay. I'm going to be right in the middle of our rating scale with this one. You know, it's it's not the worst movie out there, but, you know, it, it definitely could have been better. It's You know, it's definitely worth a watch if you've never seen it. I enjoyed this a little bit more. Most seem to. I mean, like I said, the lowest rated of the trilogy. And But I don't know. I still got some blast out of it. The action was nice. And you know, now they think about it, we talked about how all three movies have different directors. And I wonder if that kind of like has something to do with it. I mean, you know, I, I would think if you're doing a trilogy, you'd want to have the same director, the same writing crew. I mean, especially if you're going to have pretty much the same cast all together. Yeah, you know, it's just... I just don't know why, like, we go from, uh, I don't even remember the director of the first movie, then we got Tony Scott, and then John Landis, like, that's uh, quite of a variety of directors right there. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely doesn't help. I mean, you look at Halloween 1, 2, 3, you know, they, they all had different directors. Yeah, you know, but it's just that it, it definitely can hurt when you're not having the same creative team behind you know a, a franchise like that but the thing with halloween is even with different directors carpenter was still involved either way i mean yeah but you know i don't know i mean i think he was at least still involved with the writing process with those movies so that probably helped him and <laughs> i didn't even check who the writers were for these movies so. yeah and you know something else i noticed with this you know of course we don't I don't think we have really talked about the Axel Foley theme as this uh, rundown of these movies. I mean, one thing people... Yeah, really cool synth score in the first two movies. And of course, yeah, I noticed it changed up a bit in this movie. It was kind of, I guess, more orchestra in this version. Yeah. But of course, they had a few different varieties of it, like... When Axel's dressed up as that uh, uh, that elephant, they have like a really kitty version of it playing. <laughs> I also love when Billy walked in, you know, all shot up. It has like a kind of saxophone <laughs> version. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess 
Yeah, it was just because, you know, the first two movies were 80s, and now this is one that's basically middle of the 90s, so, you know, don't do much sense scores like that. <laughs> I guess if we got a Beverly Hills Cop movie these days, it'd be like a, uh, what, dubstep version? Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> I think dubstep kind of died. Well, uh. I don't know. I'm not hip with the current things. Never <laughs> mind. I don't know. I guess speaking of, I, I did see that there is a, I guess, still plans for Beverly Hills Cop 4, and I think it's uh, being worked with, with Netflix. And uh, last thing I saw was that it was uh, November 4th, 2019, so who knows, they might be working on something. Of course, you know, the whole shit going around with the world might have put like a a little bit delay in it but they might still be thinking about it which it's kind of interesting because uh you know it's been what almost 30 years since the last beverly hills cop yeah um i don't know i i heard about it but i didn't know anything more if anything else was uh come out about it i mean i, I won't really you know take it I take it with a grain of salt until, you know, it's it's confirmation that Eddie Murphy, you know, comes out and says, yeah, we're really doing it, or we get a trailer or anything like that. Yeah, that's what you have to do, but he is working on Coming to America Part 2, so. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what we need. Yeah, I guess Eddie Murphy's going to become one of those guys, like Sylvester Stallone. Hey, let's just reboot so much of my famous characters. Yeah, well, he retired for a little while, now he's coming back, so uh, uh, you yeah. can't fault him for it. Yeah, I guess. At least he's working. If I didn't make it clear, I give this one a pretty good. I mean, I enjoy it a little bit more than a lot of people seem to. I mean, I mean, hey, it's no Jaws Revenge, so it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's setting the bar pretty low, but okay. That's a wrap on that trilogy, and hey, who knows if they do make a Beverly Hills Cup 4. Maybe we will discuss it in the future. Who knows? But as of right now, we are done with that. Yep, the trilogy's over. Yep, so take a break and discuss next time. And as we've probably been spoiling, we actually do have some feedback, so we are people. from isn't all that great my automobile is a piece of crap my fashion sense is a little whack and my friends are just as creepy as me i didn't go to boarding schools preppy girls never looked at me why should they i ain't nobody got nothing in my pocket
stand a chance It's something that you're born into And I just don't belong No I don't, I'm just a no class beat down fool And I will always be that way I might as well enjoy my life and watch the stars play Probably gonna be some colorful words in there. <laughs> Let's hear what good old Balzac has to say. What's up, unholy mofos, motherfuckers, retards? I don't know what the fuck your name is anymore. God damn it, <laughs> Jake Scott. Fucking love you guys. Yes, uh, Star. Love you too. Zach. And ironically, you guys did Beverly Hills Cop on the show, and. I ironically just bought the trilogy on Blu-ray. So I had to watch these three before I knew you guys even did this shit. And Scott, you fucking jumped so goddamn watching that movie. Thank God. <laughs> but readdress us. Eddie Murphy with Herpes Simplex 10 and how he had to go talk to Victor Maitland and then how, you know, when he's a goddamn black man who's trying to work for Rolling Stone magazine, well, they don't let no niggas in that place. <laughs> ah, that's right. Fucking love the first one. I don't know how you guys only give it a pretty good. Jake, you're a fucking missing a big goddamn hole by not seeing that until just now. Yep. Hopefully you stick with it and keep watching it. Part two is also really fucking good. I, I don't know how else to explain, uh, except he's just even kookier and wackier, and I fucking love Eddie Murphy in the 80s. Now you get to part three, and they try to do some Walt Disney knockoff bullshit. <laughs> oh my god, it's horrible. That one? Fuck it. Who cares? I don't give a shit what you guys say about that one, but you better love part two, otherwise I might have got you both. <laughs> Hell, that was Balzac. Well, uh, yeah, Balzac, yeah, we should have brought that uh, box set. Would have done a hell of a lot better than what we had to work with. <laughs> yeah, I know, I should be ashamed. I, I should start making a list out of movies I should have seen by now that I haven't seen. You know, while I go and watch Troll 2 for the one millionth time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I don't get it. It's not that good of a movie, Jake. <laughs> Said you. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I only give Beverly Hills Cop a pretty good just because my first time seeing it. And I probably will end up bumping my rating up a little bit more. with a few more viewings and... Yeah, of course, Scott gets shit for jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. These copies are terrible. 
<laughs> I mean, I still can't believe you tried to skip over the banana in the tailpipe. That's like the most famous part of the first movie. <laughs> like, I even knew about that. I knew about that from Clerks the Animated Series. They had an episode where Judge Reinhold was a judge in a case they were in. And at one point, <laughs> Eddie Murphy comes in and is like, Billy, I need your help. And all they're really doing is sticking bananas and tailpipes. And it's not uh, Eddie Murphy voicing it, but the guy does a pretty good impression of his laugh. The, <laughs> uh, the guy love Eddie Murphy's laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. Well, don't worry, Balzac, we did love part two just as much, so ain't going to have to come after us. Yeah, part three, that's uh, that's a whole other thing that we're not going to go back into. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bunch of varying opinions. I mean, he thinks it's horrible, Scott thinks it's all right, and I think it's just as good. Again, I've seen worse. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch The Witch again. (laughs) (laughs) Watch watch The Grudge again. No, in fact, no, don't watch the fucking grudge. Watch Alien 3 again. Oh, oh. Yeah, see, if I all of these, I'd rather watch Beverly Hills Cop 3 again. And you know what? You just bring up a very good, interesting point. You know, we bring up Beverly Hills Cop 3 and Alien 3. What is with the uh, part threes of trilogies? Yeah, you ever notice that? Yeah, they're just, they're, they're not as good. Yeah, it's just, just future part three. I mean, you know, even if they're not really shitty, it's just, like, not as good as the first two. I don't know, man. It's just... I'm sure a lot of the horror community would agree with you on Halloween 3. It's not as good because there's no Michael Myers. (laughs) I I don't know if I would even include Halloween 3 just because it's a different story. Yeah, it's... Take it out of the John Carpenter Halloween universe. I mean, yo, you just think of so many trilogies, like uh, the Scream trilogy, you know, in part three. Yeah, not as good. Uh, oh, so many other ones. I probably, there's, a, there's the Matrix 3, but nobody really likes part two <laughs> either, so. <laughs> and RoboCop 3, I haven't seen that, but I hear it's pretty fucking terrible. Maniac Cop 3? That's all right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's got its moments, but boy. <laughs> and uh, Slumber Party Massacre 3, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right? All okay. right, people. Jake, Jake is smoking weed here. Uh, but again, it is my point. I mean, even if they're all right, again, not as good as the first two. Okay, I just thought of a good uh, counterpoint. What about Day of the Dead? Mm, yeah. I mean, I... I, I, I I like the movie, I do, but I still... Going back today, I still find a few things that kind of irk me. I haven't watched it in a while, so I can't pick pick them out right now, but I, I know I the mean, last time I watched it, I was like, that's kind of dumb. I mean, I have the most unpopular opinions, but I actually like Day of the Dead a little better than Dawn. It's not that I have anything against Dawn. Less for me! I just say I enjoy Day a little better. Yeah, you're with fucking Medium Man over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, well, I guess speaking of Medium Man, uh, thanks, Balsack. Uh, we'll see you another <laughs> two years when you send your next feedback. Or maybe you'll decide to be better at sending more feedback. Maybe this whole uh, Girls of Unholy Mofo things will start to make you get involved a little bit more. 
He'll probably be involved throughout the process, and then he'll vanish off the face of the earth again. There's one thing we know Balthack love is hot ladies. <laughs> yeah, I think, we, uh, I think we did a good job getting some uh, good-looking ladies. Oh, yeah. If you want to be like Balthack, send in some thoughts to unholymofos at gmail.com or I'm at jakethesnake54 on Twitter. I'm at brother underscore scout1. Next time we meet, it's time to revisit another favorite subject of ours. A man called Stephen King. And, uh, <laughs> no, we're not doing the stand. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would take a, a couple episodes for sure. <laughs> Maybe three. Uh, I I don't know. I I mean, only mini series we've ever done is it, and that was at least uh, a commentary episode. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what well, all my heroes they did it, and it was like a fucking four hour episode. <laughs> yeah, I I do know. I think Stan and his show. I uh, time after time they did an episode, a few episodes on the stand back in the day. Okay, but Stephen King movies are we doing though? Well, we're doing one that actually not based on a book he did. It's just an original screenplay and probably one of the craziest things he's ever come up with. I mean, this has to be Stephen King on cocaine for sure. It's called Stephen King Sleepwalkers. The one I'm going to be running down, we should uh, bring Dugan back in on. <laughs> See if he knows who the killer is. <laughs> yeah and uh if you're in our circle you probably figure out what scott's gonna be talking about i am going to be doing the night flyer we're gonna figure out this mystery of who the killer is <laughs> who is the killer <laughs> is it in the title itself who knows <laughs> Gotta figure out this almost 10-year mystery. God damn, can't believe it's been almost 10 years. Time really flies, man. I know. So, yeah, Stephen King movies us discussion next time. And, yeah, man, we're going through those Stephen King movies. Well, we're probably going through at least the good ones, at least. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. going to have to start going through the crappy ones now. <laughs> coming soon, the Langoliers. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, another Bronson Pinchot movie right there, or miniseries. More Balky, yay. So that's what you have to look forward to. So, hey, until Sleepwalkers and Nightflyer, peace out. Later, fuckers. <laughs>
stopped trying I've never stopped feeling like family is much more than blood Don't go on without me The peace that I represent complements each and everyone Till we Screamed, they'll never ever.